0: Hello and welcome to the one-year anniversary episode of the Lavender Menace podcast. Also, happy Easter. Um, Today we will be discussing the many Easter eggs that Taylor Swift has dropped us over the years of her gay allegations and other things, you know. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's been a full year since we dropped our first episode ever, season one, episode one. And now we're on season three. Three episode 13 so you know welcome to the finale thank you for being here and Woo. sticking with us if you've been here since the beginning so today we have a really fun episode <laughs> planned for you today we have a bunch of hot takes submitted by y'all typically we do our hot take shared media recs for our shared media we will be going through the timeline of the easter eggs of taylor swift And then, for our recommendations, we'll just be reflecting more about the one-year anniversary shit, like our previous recommendations that we've given each other, and our regrets and appreciations, our highs and lows, tops and bottoms over the year. (laughs) So, yeah. Anyway, I'm Sunny. I use they, them pronouns. And um, I'm really glad that you're here.
1: Hello, my name is Renaissance. I also use they, them pronouns. I'm a co-host of The Lavender Menace for now a year and this is this is so exciting if I'm being completely honest I did not think that this was gonna last a year when we started but like as we've been going like I love it because <laughs> well, it was just like a quarantine passion creative project thing that we started which we talked about at our like end of the year episode yeah, yeah and yeah. then a couple months in like after having done it for three months and then six months and then eight months and then getting to the end of the year like now I'm like, yeah, this is, this is... Before established, I was like, okay, we'll have a podcast.
0: Right, yeah. right,
1: right, And now I'm like, what are we doing for the podcast? So.
0: Exactly. We are going back to our roots today and going to be talking about communism, biphobia, <laughs> transgender, like, <laughs> fucking discourse bullshit, mm-hmm. and of course, Taylor Swift being gay. So let's just, let's of get course. into it. First, we have an email from Madison from texas and she is 14 the (laughs) header of her email says beginner communist theory plus daily communist practices question mark basically she's asking for some theory recommendations like beginner type stuff and also like how communism works on the day-to-day essentially and how being a communist operates on the day-to-day although i was telling my i think it's really funny the daily communist practices, like header, because it makes me think mm-hmm. about like spiritual girlies who are like these are enlightenment
1: daily, girlies, healing
0: practices that you should be doing every day. Yeah. And it's like the communist version of that. It's, like, what do you do? You wake up and like do ten push-ups mm-hmm. to the fucking like while reading Mao's little red book. Like the
1: fuck? <laughs> like- Just have the uh, the USSR anthem playing constantly. <laughs>
0: Right, right. Daily communist practices, indeed. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, the things that come to my mind initially for beginner communist theory are definitely, like, Angela Davis's books, uh, particularly Freedom is a Constant Struggle, Women, Race, and Class, Women, Culture, and Politics, because she writes in a very simple way and talks about feminism and racism and capitalism as it all relates to each other and imperialism in a very simple straightforward way and it feels contemporary while still being historical so I would recommend her work. I would also recommend Michael Parenti's Black Shirts and Reds because it is again very simply written and does a quick sort of breakdown of anti-communist myths as well as sort of addressing a lot of historical and international and anti-imperialist stances that communists should have while also debunking a bunch of different wrong ways to interpret (laughs) communism and sort of pitfalls you could run into i would also recommend Audre Lorde's sister outsider essay collection she is a poet and a lesbian her work is very like seminal in terms of feminist theory but she was also a socialist and it shows then of course we always recommend state and revolution by lenin because it is a really phenomenal text that again breaks down and debunks a lot of anti-communist myths as well or like sort of contextualizes communism and its necessity and also interpreting marx's work and his ideology through a political and present lens i guess but i don't know what are your like communist theory recommendations for for beginners one
1: that we both have talked about a lot on the pod but still really like is the gender accelerationist manifesto yes. which is free to read online and it's really I short it's like, like 15 pretty, pages yeah it's super short and i think is like on the queer side of things like j- outside of just like communist like theory like politics it it grapples, I guess, with like a, a more gendered aspect of it and gender abolition and and those types of topics that Sunny and I are
0: very interested in and it's also a pretty easy read. It also sort of combines the or or makes draws the line between communist struggle and the struggle for women's mm-hmm. liberation and queer liberation by kind of saying that yeah. there's no way to fight for queer liberation without it inherently being a communist movement essentially that text references the base and the superstructure so i would just encourage you to like google marxist base and superstructure and it's just a little graph that sort of helps visualize what the fuck on an economic and social level like a lot of marxist theory is based in that a lot of other theorists are going to use that terminology to sort of address and flesh out their ideas but anyways what else were you going to recommend
1: yeah, I also I forgot that the basin superstructure models, like one of the first things that I really like the opening of the third eye. I was like, this this is <laughs> changing shit. Shit has uh, shifted, has moved right.
0: everything has changed.
1: <laughs> exactly. I think understanding that and talking about it. I feel like when you first start reading or first start getting into communism or like reading leftist texts. Like it's hard to pin down exactly what is influencing what. And then you kind of realize that it's more cyclical in nature. It's supporting each other. Everything it's each, into each other, And then understanding that helps with reading anything else in the future. Two podcast episodes are Stalin, a Marxist-Leninist Perspective by Revolutionary Left Radio. Uh, it's a two and a half hour podcast episode. So if you already listened to The Lavender Menace, I mean that's a fairly short episode for you guys.
0: <laughs> And <laughs> I'm so proud of the fact that episode 11 of this season was 80 minutes. Mm-hmm. No, One hour, I 20 and minutes. I was like, like, holy
1: shit. We, we have not been under an hour and a half in, in a while. But yeah. that uh, episode helped. And also, like, once I listened to that, I was like, that's how I, I started getting the, the Stalin defender jokes. And I'm still right. in my Stalin defender era because mm-hmm. I have a professor right now who is. He has a lot of issues going on with him, but one of them <laughs> is that he thinks Stalin is evil. And right, right. Yeah. And then the other episode is from. Oh, also,
0: Michael Parenti's Black Shirts and Reds also talks about Stalin. There's a chapter in it called Stalin's Fingers that is interesting. But also, like, all of these texts you can find online for free, essentially. Yeah, like basically all of these. You can find PDFs of or audiobooks on YouTube or, you know, stuff on marxist.org. But anyways. Okay,
1: okay. <laughs> Special episode, Stalin was a mensch. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. M-E-N-S-C-H. It's a an hour and 13 minutes long or hour and 16 minutes long. And that one is also about Stalin. Those would be my two and they're two podcast episodes so it they obviously reference other pieces of theory they're mainly historical so referencing a lot of like historical events and documents and things like that but I think especially if you're from the U.S. listening to those two podcasts or at least getting into the history of the USSR and especially like Stalin and trying to undo some of the like Cold War era of propaganda Mm -hmm. the evil stalin trope idea is like Mm -hmm. important
0: for deconstructing your worldview
1: like they're pretty accessible
0: oh do you want to talk about the the Combahee river collective statement
1: oh yeah i definitely recommend that as well because it's pretty it's fairly short and free online and it talks about like the Black lesbian perspective. And I know this term the like overused a lot, but like they're like intersectional before intersectionality (laughs) became like overused.
0: And they also were the ones who sort of brought forth the idea of identity politics. And they also, in the Nuhi River Collective statement, they really flesh out what that means. And the Nuhi River Collective itself is a a group of Black feminist socialist lesbians. And and so that is the perspective from which they're coming at the ideas of socialism and the interconnectedness of, of struggles, especially because I think there are fair Marxist criticisms of the idea of intersectionality because intersectionality itself is like a legal concept that was brought forth by, I think, yeah. just like a liberal Kimberly Crenshaw. And it obviously has its uses because it's specifically addressing stuff on like a legal level. But because we're Marxist because we're communists, we obviously don't we also we, we obviously reject the liberal state itself. So it's so, like and also the idea of quote unquote intersectionality, the idea of intersecting struggles, the idea of collective struggle is one that is inherent to communism in the first place. And it's something that communism itself is necessary to achieve the liberation of, every marginalized group not to say that communism is the solution to all specific forms of oppression but if you understand the economic base and the social realities that emerge from an economic base you can understand that a lot of the struggles that occur in the world due to patriarchy and 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 racism etc 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 are all fundamentally linked to and held down by the structures of capitalism and imperialism so Anyways, um, exactly. do you have any other recommendations for like beginner theory type shit or extrapolations on things I've already mentioned?
1: I think that's all that I have for like beginner things because like I'm reading the Black Jacobins right now and mm-hmm. that it's like a more historical text but I the language of it it's like pretty te- it dense. Get, yeah and it's also like quite graphic and stuff like that so i wouldn't necessarily yeah. recommend that to a 14 year old and there's yeah. something like the wretched of the earth which is i mean i all. had yeah. to read that multiple times yeah, so it's pretty there hard. are other things that i've read yeah but those are probably the text i mean there's also you recommended angela davis but *Our prisons obsolete which is yeah. another angela davis text that's pretty accessible like that one i would recommend
0: yeah I mean, I think like more intermediate texts, more intermediate to advanced texts would definitely be mm-hmm. like on the advanced side of things. It would be more like Franz Fanon and like the Black Jacobins, like um. But in terms of like um, intermediate texts that you probably need, uh, like maybe a probably a college level, a college reading level ish to fully like understand. Or not that you can't attempt it if you if you're. If your reading levels aren't there, would probably be Caliban and the Witch by Sylvia Federici, which I've recommended and quoted on the podcast before. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think like oh, I would also recommend Robin D. G. Kelly in the same category of like maybe of like intermediary intermediate text would be Robin D. G. Kelly's Hammer and Hoe: Black Communists, in the in Alabama or something like that. It which sort of delineates a history and really zooms in on one period of history, like, during the Great Depression, and then one particular group of people and the different conflicts that arose socially and politically amidst that group. And I found it really interesting to to read.
1: Also, maybe The Foundations of Leninism by Joseph Stalin.
0: Oh my god! Stalin's Dialectical and Historical Materialism. That's a great introductory yes. text. Yeah. Yes. Because yes. it's really short, and it also sort of presents to you something that is really fundamental to understand if you're going to be a communist or if you're going to have any sort of correct political take is materialism which of course is also like related to dialectical and historical materialism so great great text
1: and then do you have any of the like socialist or communist folk tales or like the stories that you yeah that you'd want to recommend?
0: There's a short story collection from 19th century German revolutionary woman named Herminia Ziermühlen. It's a short story collection called The Castle of Truth and Other Stories. It's a really cute, (laughs) it's like a fairy tale Mm -hmm. or collection that all has a socialist point of view and moral of the story essentially and that was a really that was a really good text I would also recommend Mao's combat liberalism that's a really great like one page read so Mm -hmm. those are our theory recommendations essentially I think and in terms of like quote-unquote like everyday practices I feel like it's more of just I think radicalizing people in your community and mm-hmm. sharing your beliefs. Fighting your teachers.
1: No, I'm Yeah, right, 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 right. Fighting <laughs> your
0: teachers, yelling at your, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I honestly Being think. Being annoying on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram infographics. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Listening I mean, to
1: Taylor Swift. Right,
0: right, right. <laughs> I think, like, it's actually quite simple to, within your own communities, sort of, grapple with these ideas and just like talk to people I think if you just talk to people about things and if you I, I think over the course of many of many years of with my friendships most of most everyone has sort of th- o- through osmosis absorbed a lot of my political beliefs because mm-hmm. they just made a lot of sense <laughs> just also the way that I presented and communicated it as something that anyone could say and anyone could believe and I I tried to reach people at wherever, wherever they were without ever compromising my own beliefs or self or like sense or like self-respect. In doing so, I think I radicalized or help contribute to radicalizing a lot of people in my life and I think that's something that is really possible for anyone. I also think that just sort of, like, being aware of the existing sort of initiatives and, like, what's going on in your community is also really important. I mean, like, when I was 14, I was really trying to see whatever I could, I was really trying to do whatever I could do to get involved, and through that I made mistakes, and I learned, and I grew, and I like, came to understand more and more things, and I think, like, that is also something that's necessary to experience, and just showing up to the protests and the rallies and showing up to the, uh, the spaces that are made and that you can create that are, that, to talk about, like, social justice issues and LGBT issues and stuff like that. I think those are places where it's expected to bring forth ideas and initiatives to that like embody communist theory and praxis but anyway what do you think?
1: Yeah I think it definitely depends on like where you're at at life so like with me being a university student and having access to a lot of like first years and College students, like when I do my events, when I interact with the people who are literally go to a university, I Mm -hmm. don't compromise my politics when these topics come up. Like I don't revert to liberalism just because I think that someone else is. And I also don't shy away from these topics in a way like in a, oh, you just wouldn't get it kind of way. Like there are some things like when I talk about the black experience and I'm not talking to black people like there are some things that people just aren't going to get in that way but when it comes to actually understanding materialism or like how class functions or how things function not necessarily the experience attached to them I don't ever approach it or talk to it in a way where I don't think anyone could have ever heard of this or thought of this or had these kinds of questions you know um because that makes it just a lot more accepting not acceptable, but like people are more willing to hear your perspective when you don't talk down to them mm-hmm. in like a way that doesn't mean don't meet them where you're where they're at, like obviously if you're losing them in the conversation, mm-hmm. then like adapt yourself, but don't compromise it, I guess, and then that is where I'm at because a lot of the people that I interact with may be aware of class and how they have access to certain things but they may not see it as like a structural thing or they may never have been told that they can expand their imagination to Mm -hmm. like there is a way (laughs) there is another way that society could be restructured in Mm -hmm. which the challenges that you face and other members of your community face would not be the way that they are currently under this system because like a lot of people internally feel anti-capitalist sentiment or they know that imperialism is bad but they don't know exactly how another way that the world could work or know the details of how these things functions and when those conversations come up when those things happen that's where like a conversation for communists to be able to like actually talk to their community about like people that you actually know and I think for me um since Madison is like in high school One thing that was very topical when I was in high school was, like, the bathroom ban in high schools and not letting uh, trans kids literally go to the bathroom. And that was super fucked up. And so I made it very publicly known on all of my social medias that if anyone like, wanted an escort to the bathroom so that they wouldn't have to go. Like, I would always have my phone on me and always have my DMs open so anything could happen. Anytime my peers, something sketch happened with the teacher or someone said something in another class, like, a lot of my friends told me and then I would be the one to have the conversation with that teacher about that behavior or I'd go with my friends. And just, like, I guess being, like, a presence in your community, whatever that looks like and whatever you're comfortable with performing. That was just a way that for me, I was able to feel like I was contributing um, to especially communities that are more marginalized than my own experience, or ways that like, with what privilege I did have, I was able to use on behalf of others. So I often spoke about like how my high school whenever I was on like, school site council meetings or when my school had to be approved for certain things and people were like if you could fix one thing about your school I'd be like the way that they treat lower class students and the lack of facilities that they offer and how there are a lot of like hidden prices about attending this school that they don't necessarily advertise and inequity in this way and then bringing that attention like continually to the adults, to the people in power cuz like when you're in high school like people don't usually give a fuck about your opinion. Um or they pretend that they do. But not wavering in those ways I think is like when I was probably closer to 14, 15, 16 years old, like that was how I would do that. Yeah. Is, it, is that would would you say that's so I also didn't really like become a communist in this way until I was in college. Back then, mm-hmm. I probably still would have identified as a liberal, even though my actual politics were not necessarily liberal. I just hadn't
0: read I just yet. think that's the other thing. Like, that's why we emphasize why, like, reading theory is, like, important. And I think, like, it's, it's very stupid and, like, silly to me when people think that they don't need theory or mm-hmm. that it's, like – authoritarian left, I think someone commented on my TikTok, (laughs) you said theory, and I yawned, and I exited, because authoritarian leftists are so stupid. I'm like, oh my god. It's just, why do you hate knowledge so bad? Like, knowledge is what equips you. Once you know what the fuck you're talking about, that's what allows you to have a sense of purpose in what you're doing and also be able to meet people where they're at and also be able to fully explain ideas that you have and fully defend them. The only way that you can fully approach and like combat any sort of anti-communist or racist or misogynistic bullshit in any setting is if you have a deep set understanding of your belief of your beliefs in a really holistic informed manner. It, you mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to fall into the pitfalls of, a, of liberalism and of accepting the default and the status quo as what is normal. And that is ultimate. And, like, of course, like Renaissance said, there are people who oppose the systems of capitalism without even really knowing what capitalism even is, without having any of the language or the tools or the frameworks of understanding that a communist perspective takes. But ultimately communism itself is like those is what ties and analyzes these systems and structures together and ties them all fundamentally so i just think like it's just something that you you can only really know what's up and you can only know what to do once you have informed yourself and engaged in community in such a way that allows you to even like be a communist? Like, how are you going to be a communist if you don't actually, if you're not actually in community with people, if you're not actually actively, like, reading theory and engaging with these ideas and really trying to understand them? And also, like, helping people who need it. Like, I think that is also, that's something that's really essential, is just not treating workers badly (laughs) like I Mm -hmm. like participating in participating in like mutual aid within your own communities and the and again with the different organizing efforts that are going on around you I think like that shit is at the core and at the center of what why you are a communist like why you oppose this shit in the first place and then everything else is sort of like you just need to understand things in order to be able to implement them and to be able to understand what things are not what things aren't implementable or what things are not worth pursuing and it's not worth your time and energy to go after because a lot of us have wasted our time and energy in electoral politics, in in liberal ideology and spaces when our energy could have been used more effectively elsewhere. And that's why educating yourself is like so important. But anyway, do you want to go on to our next hot take? So this is Lily. Lily says, I'm
1: sure you're all sick of talking about biphobia, but yesterday I tweeted, quote, This is probably an ice cold take. But it's something I just realized. Biphobia from gay men stems from misogyny, while biphobia from lesbians stems from the effects misogyny has on them. Parentheses, lesbians. End quote. And I got viciously attacked. I truly felt like I was in my sunny era. <laughs> <laughs> the sunny When you legacy, get bullied on the, the internet and it's you're in your sunny era. Exactly. Yeah, it's bad. People were... <laughs> People are saying that this idea is a, quote-unquote, slippery slope to turfism. Oh, we've heard that one before. I I wonder who else has had the the slippery slope to turfism Allegations. allegations before. Literally anyone. But I was in no way excluding trans people from my original tweet. They also brought up, quote, rad femme ideologies. And after a cursory Google search, I came up I came to the conclusion that, based on the Wikipedia definition, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing. Here's the definition. Radical feminism is a perspective within feminism that calls for a radical reordering of society in which male supremacy is eliminated in all social and economic contexts while recognizing that women's experiences are also affected by other social divisions such as race, class, and sexual orientation. They also said stuff like, quote, assuming bi women center men just because they're attracted to men is misogynistic, end quote, which I don't think I agree with, but I don't have the vocab to explain why. I guess I'm just wondering if I'm wrong, LMAO, because I don't think I said anything transphobic or truly biphobic. Anyways, love the pod. Keep up the good work. Lily.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Lily. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Okay, so to address the radical feminism thing. I think Mm -hmm. we've talked about Radfem ideology on the podcast. There are, like all forms of any sort of ideology, there are plenty of people who call themselves socialists who don't know shit about socialism. Plenty of people who call themselves feminists and, like, could not give you a coherent definition of what that even means like there are plenty of people who call themselves feminism
1: things. is when women? women who want to wear makeup <laughs> get to wear makeup and you don't get to tell them not to. <laughs> right honey. right
0: right 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 right. exactly <laughs> so yeah i think like radical feminism our main issues with it as Marxists, and also the reason why radical feminism sort of emerged as sort of an opposition to marxism in saying that that gender and sex is like the primary contradiction in society that's that is where oppression is rooted in and it it predates class oppression it actually is in like it's like the first form of class oppression or something along those lines right like it's that ideology and it's the idea that patriarchy is like first and foremost what is the the issue turf literally stands for trans exclusionary radical feminism and that just means someone who is a radical feminist. So someone who isn't like a liberal, um, but who doesn't mm-hmm. who is not necessarily like a communist, um, but who ex- explicitly excludes trans people, particularly trans women from um, from their, quote unquote, like radical feminism. I think like radical feminism, yeah, and specifically trans exclusive radical feminism sort of puts the, gendered experience to something that's is like bio essentialist something that is binary in the idea of like penis equals male equals bad vagina equals woman equals good is sort of the reductive take that it comes down to essentially of course trans transphobic radical feminists and TERFs would disagree with that but their opinions don't really matter so it doesn't matter to me so <laughs> yeah. like that's not how they would define it but I think like The people who oppose radical feminism the most ultimately are misogynist, I think. Like the people who are like most oppositional to the idea of radical feminism and and, like refer to people who they disagree with in terms of like their feminist ideology as like radfems or libfems or whatever, (laughs) like, like derogatorily I think is also kind of stupid, but at the same time I I don't think radical feminists are correct, but correct. Yeah. Radical <laughs> feminists and Marxist feminists and Marxism like all these different things, they kind of like they they parallel at some points and they and they diverge at some points. Some radical feminists are like really lauded and recommended by communists and some communists are in communist ideologies are encompassed by or embraced by radical feminists. But the reality is that radical feminism as an ideology sort of emerged in opposition to the feminisms at that time, which was like liberal feminism, Marxist ideology as class as the primary contradiction, at least how I understand it.
1: Last quarter, I took a, a queer theory, gender theory course. And obviously, we talked about the different branches of feminism and radical feminism and also talked about it in a more historical sense. So like people who describe themselves as a radical feminist before the 90s and the 2000s and Tumblr and the ways that certain words have changed and stuff and like the connotations of rad femme that it has now versus the connotations that it had prior. And my professor was very aware of that history, that, that change, like, the way that people use the term Femme prior to the way that it's used now and its relationships, we never, or er, I never got, like, a concrete answer, I guess, essentially, on explicitly trans-exclusionary radical feminists, like, that term really hit the scene, and who then ditched the the rad fem label who kept it so definitely like if you look on wikipedia or some google searches like sometimes it's not every definition about radical feminism is not going to address like turfs and the trans exclusionary radical feminism and the way that it's used online depending on the source that you read
0: i mean if you look into the history of radical feminism and the different like radical feminists that emerge through there like there are some people who are trans-exclusionary, and then there are feminists yeah. like Catherine McKinnon or Andrea Dorkin or John what's his face, Stoltenberg or something like that. Was it John Stoltenberg? The person who wrote uh, Rejecting Being a Man or something like that. Those are the radical feminists that most radical feminists who are not explicitly trans-exclusionary or who are not transphobic will sort of turn to or recommend because... Th- like those are sort of the basis of their ideology and I have read some I've read Catherine McKinnon McQuinn- some of her work I think I've read some Dworkin but I think that Catherine McKinnon in terms of being asked like well what do you think about like trans women she was always like well it, that doesn't matter to me because womanhood is a political category and it doesn't really matter whether someone has like a penis or not in regards to being a woman. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think... And, you know, she is, like, the radical feminist in terms of very... So, it really just, like, depends on who's talking, who's asking, the context of the situation, because I'm... There There are some, like, self-identified, like, radfems who understand that transphobia is, like, bad and are explicitly anti transmisogyny which is, for some other radfems, like, a... a a really like stringent element of their ideology being trans so it just like yeah depends essentially i think but anyway particularly when people are trying to yell at lesbians online for being turfs or <laughs> radfems when mm-hmm. when like you're not being trans exclusionary, nor are you being trans nor do you even know what radical feminism even is. Like, when you're getting those accusations, it's kind of funny to me because it kind of shows the way that people on the internet have sort of resort to essentially like name calling because they don't really understand... They don't understand how things work on a holistic level, so it's easier to just call someone a lib or, like, a whatever. I mean, not to say that I don't derogatorily refer to, like, DSA (laughs) motherfuckers or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's like, do you actually understand that ideology or are you just trying to scapegoat or accuse someone of... I get accused of being an authoritarian leftist, of being a tanky, whatever, like, you know, these, or being accused of being a rad fan or what, like, are you, does, you, are these terms being used at you in a way that's like, wow, this reminds me of something that like a radical feminist would say, so that means that this is actually you being a turf. Like, I just think it's really, or even people who even mildly defend the Soviet Union will get accusations of being like a tanky or whatever. It just kind of shows that people like cannot engage like, the internet is not built to engage with discourse in any meaningful way at all. It's just not at all. So, you know, I don't think, Lily, you are in the wrong. I re- I don't think you said anything transphobic or quote-unquote biphobic because the, like, the conclusion that you make that biphobia from gay men stems from misogyny, right? The idea, and I think what you mean by biphobia here is gay men being like, I don't want to fuck men who have also fucked women, essentially. Or I don't want to have, I don't want to be in relationships with men who are also attracted to women. And that feeling from a man is just a hatred of women, essentially, right? But when lesbians are like, I don't want, if, if what biphobia, quote unquote, in quotes here, is being used to accuse a lesbian of being like, I don't want to date a bisexual, like Lily said, while biphobia from lesbians stems from the effects misogyny has on them, lesbians like that makes sense right like if a lesbian doesn't want to date someone because she is bisexual it's not because she hates women or like hates that hates when women are bisexual it's just particularly that lesbians don't want to there are lesbians who don't want to engage people who are romantically and sexually Attracted to men, and that's like a preference that isn't rooted in patriarchal standards the way that men who feel like they aren't attracted to other men who are also attracted to women that is actually rooted in patriarchal ideas like hatred of women and we think about homophobia and misogyny as these overarching like power systems that operate if you can track what is being described back to the actual hatred of homosexuality the actual opposition to systemic structures that prevent like homosexuality from existing and also and for misogyny like the hatred of women particularly in the denigration of women if you can tie that to either or both of these things yeah that shit is problematic because patriarchy and homophobia is problematic <laughs> like but otherwise mm-hmm. if you're if you're coming at it from like uh someone I- engages with the oppressor our collective oppressor in a way that i don't like that's something that really it's like who cares? Whatever. That's a personal way of navigating the world to protect yourself that I think trying to treat as a systemic issue when it is very much an isolated, individual, intra-community thing is something that I find reductive and unnecessary, essentially.
1: What do you think of the aspect of, of the, the slippery slope? Uh, mm. Thing. So the idea that maybe what you said, or not you, but a, a comment that one can make that isn't directly tied to homophobia or misogyny, but then can lead, like basically the the alt right pipeline type of slippery right. slope thing. You know the dog whistle stuff. I mean, not that I think we do that uh-huh. or that this is what lily did but fighting off like those allegations of like what you said may not have been turfy but it reminds me of something that's like turfy that you would probably agree with because of this opinion
0: right i mean i think people think of turfs as people who like really oppose male supremacy and by male they categorize people that they view as male uh, in there, which itself is like mm-hmm. transphobic, but when you're just talking about like gay men at large, lesbians at large, it, I, I, how is that ever transphobic? Like, I don't, I don't really get it. Are trans gay men not just gay men? Are trans lesbians not just lesbians? Like, I don't really understand this idea. I mean, I guess the quote unquote slippery slope to turfism being addressed is this idea that if you oppose men in such a way in like a radically feminist way it could end up being trans exclusionary I guess but I think again this is that's a really reductive way at looking at complex issues like I think to just throw that term around when the reason why the word turf and the reason why trans exclusionary radical feminist itself is an idea that exists in like the zeitgeist, the reason why it is a thing that needs to be named and looked out for, is that it's really dangerous and like it actually harms trans people. Like it actually like materially affects the way that policy is shaped and how trans people are able to operate and navigate throughout the world. That's why turf ideology is so dangerous. It's because it's a branch of feminism, supposedly, that tries to posit women's rights as oppositional to trans rights, and in doing so can victimize womanhood and women in a way that allows for and encourages and makes progressive anti-trans policy that's why and and an anti-trans sentiment that's why it's so dangerous and to just throw that term around at random lesbians talking about the way that gay men and lesbians interact with other members of their community that has nothing to do with genital preference or trans identity I think is harmful and it, it's not useful it makes meaningless this term it makes a term that is supposed to describe the material reality of a form of oppression and rhetoric and political ideology that is harmful to people and makes it into something that it's not which is something that is you're just describing random ass shit like it's just not and not even in a joking way like I think it's I think Mm -hmm. it's funny when, you know, people of color call random shit racist when it's not. (laughs) Like, when it's not technically racist. Yeah. Right? Or being like, oh my god, like, the misogyny of blah 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 blah, or the homophobia of the (laughs) line being so long. Like, whatever. Like, that shit's funny, Mm -hmm. right? But when you're just accusing people of... Turf rhetoric when they are not demonizing trans people, they're not going after trans women in any particular way, they're not even saying anything that is particularly radical feminist-like, they're just talking about how people engage with each other, um, and tying it back to systems of oppression, it's just very, that's simply bizarre to me, and it, it feels very unnecessary.
1: It's not like we only have a few TERF allegations, like almost any of our viral TikToks that we have gotten, underneath the comments in due time, there are always calling us TERFs, even though one, we're not radical feminists. So that doesn't work. But also like the one that I'm thinking of is, is my infamous viral TikTok where I talk about lesbophobia and I specifically talk I just say lesbian and then even in the caption of the video I specify like trans lesbians and black lesbians and like lesbians of color and all the different ways just like it was just a a little it was it was with the trending audio a little silly like TikTok post and then I still got TERF allegations, even though it wasn't trans-exclusionary at all. Like it I was even intentionally trans
0: trans-inclusive. So it's like exactly. you're not a radical feminist, nor is this rhetoric trans-exclusive. So how is this turfy? Mm-hmm. Please let me know. How is this quote-unquote turfy when turf stands for trans-exclusionary radical feminist? When we're not trans-exclusionary, we're actually being trans-inclusive, and we're not radical feminists. We're communists. Like, come on now.
1: (laughs) As a communist, and as a lesbian, when I say lesbian, I mean, like, lesbians. Like, all, I'm not talking, like, if I just say the word lesbian, I'm not talking about white, cis, middle class, like, Ellen DeGeneres ass. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not who I'm talking about when I just say lesbians. When I'm talking about lesbians, I'm just talking about lesbians as a whole, and all the people that that includes, like... Yes, there are some cis people who are lesbians. There are also trans people who are lesbians. And when I say lesbians, I'm talking about the the thing that brings us all together is the lesbian identity. So that's not trans exclusive because there are many trans lesbians and people who you who are trans who also use lesbian as their gender identity in the same way that Sunny and I use lesbian to describe our gender. And there are trans women who identify as trans women and use that language and are also lesbians and are still trans lesbians. Like these are all the people that are included in that community. So when you're making comments at large, and you're just using the language of lesbian, then to me, it doesn't make sense to call that trans exclusionary, especially just with how much overlap there is between the lesbian community and the trans community and the history between those two, like, of trans femmes and trans mask people and that relationship to the lesbian community, to me, it's a historical to mm-hmm. call someone who's just making an observation about the community as trans exclusionary. Like, that just has never been the case, or I shouldn't say never been the case, because there have been trans exclusionary lesbians who, unfortunately, have been quite loud, but, like, if you actually look at it, like, for the majority of the community and its history, that has not been the case. And if that's not your intention, if that's not what you're talking about, like, unless you're making actually trans-exclusionary comments, then then it's just non-topical, babes. It's just mm-hmm. non-topical. Like, you can't just throw that out. and. Like you said, like when it's not in a jokey way, like I call, I call anything anti-black. If it's cold <laughs> when I wake up, that's anti-black. Like right. if, if the coffee line is moving a little slowly, I'm like, this is homophobic. You don't want to see lesbian shine. You know, <laughs> like y'all hate women I make, so like, bad. Y'all, oh my gosh. If. If a man does not hold the door open for me, I'm like, where's traditional values? Where are the family values? Like, right. I will make those jokes. I'm not trying to make those jokes. But, you know, if something, something is just happening and then like people really want to come at someone, just like anyone, like people who call shit that's like racist that isn't racist at all. Oh, yeah. People who want to call shit that's sexist that isn't sexist
0: at all. Dude, we, in our- your are anti-black allegations? Yeah, my hashtag anti-black allegations for my biphobia. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, what, what could possibly be going on here? Especially, oh my yeah. god. In, I was looking in our, um, like, comments under review today, which, a mistake every time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and one of them was like, mm-hmm. this creator blocks every person who blah 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 blah, and is actually, like, non-black blah blah blah, I really did not, like, I just- blocked. I Again, again, yeah, I did. I do block people. I love mm-hmm. to do that, actually. And it was on our joint we, account. We, the <laughs> only thing we do liberally is block people. <laughs> that is our hashtag liberal slight is right. with the block button. Like... No, we don't give you a You will fuck. be. Exactly. Like, if you're gonna come here people with People want to call us
1: authoritarian tankers. Right. then we will exact you. If, if exactly. you wanna, the category is, walking in the category of... <laughs> authoritarian tanky the lavender menace like we will right. give what needs to be gave if that's the case like but there's so many comments that genuinely will never see the light of day like no, if you honestly. go into a comment section and you think that's bad we <laughs> literally spend 48 hours like monitoring our comment section when a tick tock and we have words so that see, are
0: flagged that go directly to mm-hmm. our like our comments Yeah, that review. literally do not see exactly. anyone except for us. Exactly. And as it should be. Censorship is good. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when Lily ended <laughs> the email with, they also said stuff like, quote, quote, assuming bi women center men just because they're attracted to men is misogynistic. That shit is so funny to me. Like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Girl, mm-hmm. y'all
1: don't I don't know think- how to break it to <laughs> everyone centers men. Right. Like. We as lesbians, like, I'm on the other side of the looking glass. Like mm-hmm. it, it's the way that people center men to a degree that they're not even aware of. It's patriarchal
0: ideology that insinuates itself into every part mm-hmm. of everyone's life and ideology. It's creeping there and it's present always.
1: So there's no real way around it. And in our like first hashtag biphobia, whatever, episode that, that started this whole brand for us <laughs> is the fact that like We were specifically talking about people who do not prioritize or do not actively combat or be aware of the ways in which they center men in their lives because you don't necessarily have to be a lesbian to not center men and there are lesbians who do center men in their lives who are unaware of the ways in which they do that but if like you do not take lesbian seriously if you do not take your like friendships and relationships with women in your life seriously or respect them to the same degree that you respect your the men in your life and your male partners and your boyfriends and your husbands and all that stuff that's the stuff that kind of like really chaps my hides but that is a product of patriarchy that everyone is susceptible to it's just whether or not you have become aware of it and how you act on it that does all that
0: I also think it is so bizarre to try to separate your attraction and your sexual orientation from, like, your politics. They inevitably affect each other. And that's why identity politics, as the Combahee River Collective delineates it, is something that is important to examine. Because, like, you know, all sexual preferences and your idea of who you're attracted to, that's obviously rooted in shit that is external it's it's socialized like these are things that are informed by the world around us and to think that you shouldn't examine it to think that to try to examine it is itself problematic that shit is so fucking annoying to me I don't like this anti-intellectualism I don't like this anti-critical thinking and analysis bend that people like to take and that is ultimately what's happening when people try to shut down every argument by calling people radfems turfs libs uh, tankies like whatever the fuck like it's just so monosexual
1: (laughs) sonny your monosexual privilege is really showing right now
0: (laughs) your allo your allonormativity is really giving me bad vibes (laughs) so check yourself um Mm -hmm.
1: Actually, as a monosexual, you are the one <laughs> with the privilege here. Right.
0: Like, it's just so. I mean, I just think that this idea that assuming bi women center men just because they're attracted to men is misogynistic. Girl, I feel like people who are attracted to men are going to center them in some degree if they haven't really tried to unpack that. That's why so many hetero women are so misogynistic. That's why so many gay men are misogynistic as fuck. Like, at the end of the day, a lot of y'all hate women, and that has to do with your attraction to men. Because you view other women as competition, or as things that stand in the way to access to men. And you can see that in gay media. You can see that in hetero media. You can see that in the like the fucking Bechtel test, right? It, like, mm-hmm. that this idea that women exist for men's pleasure th- like you're thinking that we as lesbians when we criticize bisexual women you you think that we are framing them as we're framing women as people who are available to men and exist for the pleasure of men but what we are ultimately describing is the social reality of patriarchy that makes that true it's not dehumanizing like it's not dehumanizing to point out how systems of oppression work when you're affected by those systems of oppression and when those when the way that bi women interact with men and the way that anyone interacts with men obviously is going to affect us as lesbians when we don't interact with with men like it w- well when we don't interact with men in the way that other people do like it's just really assuming by women center men just because they're attracted to men is misogynistic is so bullshit is it also misogynistic to say that straight women are like homophobic because of their attraction to men at times no girl no that's not misogyny like you're just that's just calling out homophobia that's just calling out mistreatment and yeah like god criticisms that can be made about
1: heterosexuality and particularly heterosexual men or heterosexual women and then on in certain context you exclude you specify straight women in a way that really is more about a commentary of people who are attracted to men and that can be applied to bi people and gay men like you said with their misogyny and their hatred of women that is not specific to just straight people like that like it's kind of like when people say that they only hate white cis het men well it's like some of the things that you're commenting on are not just particular to that one demographic sometimes it is men at large sometimes it's a commentary on cisness Yeah. yeah cis people at large or straight people at large, and what does that mean in that context that you're commenting on? Mm -hmm. So, I think that this idea that queer people are queer all of the time, partly, yes, but also when you're talking about your relationship with men and how that affects lesbians and how that reflects on your internalized misogyny in that particular way, Mm -hmm. that's just, that is something that cannot be just, like, pigeonholed for one demographic, because ultimately it wouldn't be as structural and systemic if it was as easy as just if this you category only Bika. attracted to men. Yeah, it it, just, it wouldn't operate in the way that we obviously see that it does. And we obviously see the results and the products of this. And, and I think like just commentary, like saying that like anything that is about women's sexuality is going to be misogynistic just doesn't. There's a lack of critical thinking there. There's a lack of thinking. Like, not every commentary, not every criticism on the behavior of women is misogynistic because mm-hmm. women are there misogynistic. Are cis- yeah, many. Like, look at any of the, I mean, any woman politician, honestly, but right. like the GOP politician, like the very Republican, pro Republican women who run for office. Yeah. it It's not that hard. Like, that's just a very obvious, blatant, like, paradigm example of misogynist women and misogynistic women. There's a lot, a, a lot of others, but it's not impossible. And it's not, like, individual cases, you know? People try and be like, oh, well, this is just, like, one bad woman. This is just one woman with bad politics. This is just, like, oh, if you're specific to that environment or you grew up in that area, then maybe you might be... A woman with internalized misogyny instead of seeing it as like if you live in a misogynistic world if you live under patriarchy whether or not you're affected by that or not you are going to internalize that to some yeah. degree yeah it's inevitable don't ask what you can do for misogyny ask what misogyny can do for you right men open doors <laughs> lift the heavy thing like when a man is like oh i'll carry this you can carry the light one i'm like true but not for the like do, are you saying that because you think i'm a woman or are you saying that because you see that i have no upper body strength like what is happening but at the same time do i want to carry the heavy thing like when the teachers would be like oh boys can you help with the chairs It's like, I feel like you shouldn't have to just ask the boys for that, but do I want to help with the chairs? No. Right. So I'm going to let this one slide for now, (laughs) but next time, next time I'm going to see you on that.
0: And now to get into our third hot take, we have four in total today, so... Yeah, this is going to be a long episode. (laughs) If you couldn't already tell. Anyway, Lou says... I fear. Hi, Renaissance and Sunny. Love the pot, and I love your media recommendations. I am a fellow communist Swifty, non-binary lesbian, and you both always have correct opinions. So, I'm coming to you today because I don't have an Instagram account anymore, so Tumblr is my only social media. It truly has gotten better than the 2015 LGBT discourse era, but because all those takes have moved to Twitter, Um, and I was scrolling through my dash, as one does, and came across A post denouncing something called transandrophobia. I had no idea what it was, and a quick Google search took me down the rabbit hole of what is basically a community of trans MRAs. MRI, MRAs, by the way, is men's rights activists. Trans androphobia is basically transphobia targeted specifically at trans men. These men argue that because trans misogyny is the intersection of transphobia and misogyny exists, so too must an equivalent term for trans men. I think the idea of men experiencing prejudice on the basis of them solely being men is absolutely not in touch with reality, regardless of transness. What are your thoughts on this do you think misandry against trans men is its own intersection of oppression pertinent enough to need a specific term very interested to hear what you have to say on this um thank you lou i really appreciate it uh my my initial reaction is that this is fucking bullshit and so annoying and (laughs) and is a product of trans misogyny itself the way that i mean okay to be honest like there is so much fetishization of trans misogyny in the LGBT community to be and I I think someone made a good video about this oh I think it might be butch boyfriend on TikTok or something like that anyway so someone made a good video about this that really encompassed these thoughts that I've been having in my head for a while about like this idea that A lot of you bitches are (laughs) are trying to seek out (laughs) or identify with or say that you experience an oppression specific to you that you are ultimately just modeling off of someone else's oppression that you don't experience, to be honest, to be quite like in a material way. You don't experience Mm -hmm. that, but you want to feel like you do. And it's part, I think it is what fuels hashtag biphobia discourse. I think it's what fuels a lot of LGBT discourse. I think it's what fuels validity discourse. This idea that a claim to oppression and the specific words that you want to attribute to those claims of oppression are what define you. And it's just like there, the amount of like, I think Butch Boyfriend on TikTok was sort of saying how he thinks that there are so many like she, they, they. AFAB, like, people who have, like, boyfriends or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, my boyfriend is, like, gay for, like, liking me and, like, dating me, um, or whatever, but they don't actually, but said she, they does not actually experience, like, you know, the, the realities of what happens when you're gender nonconforming in a visible way, you know, and ultimately what they're saying is, like, oh, like, my boyfriend is gay because, like, I'm gender nonconforming, like, and I feel that way when that it's like that is a fetishization of trans women's experiences because you know who is actually seen as gay for dating trans women like their cishet boyfriends like trans women's boyfriends are seen as being gay for like being attracted to them when obviously like when that itself is transphobic and transmisogynistic, like that Your boyfriend does not face violence, and you don't face violence for the way that your relationship operates. Like, trans women, in their relationships to men, face violence for the way that their relationships operate. And ultimately, you're making a jokey joke over an experience that, of course, is related to your own complex relationship to gender and sexuality, etc. Of course that there's a lot of, like, bullshit you have to work through with that. But the thing is, is that it's rooted in this shit that is so it, it just doesn't sit right with me. Like that shit is so yeah. irritating to me. You're you're and as Butch Boyfriend talked about, like it is a fetishization of the experiences that like trans people actually go through, and how no one will jump down the throat of a she they being like oh like. My boyfriend is queer coded for dating me, or whatever, or like no one will jump down the throat of a they them a fab person who has a boyfriend, like being like who is saying that their boyfriend is gay for being into them, or whatever. Like, no one's gonna jump down their throats for saying that. It's gonna be all like, Yeah, so true, bae. Whereas, when someone who is trans has been in like gay relationships with like gay men, but also has been in lesbian relationships as a lesbian, like, when you try to talk about the nuances of that actual material reality, of that actual experience, people are immediately calling you transphobic, homophobic, blah, 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 whatever, and it's like- (sighs) this is this is what we talk this is what we're talking about like the what people get mad at when people talk about their own experiences like when people talk about their own experiences and then people react in a negative manner or in a positive manner that shit reveals so much about the state of like discourse and also like the ideas that people accept as like real and fact and Anyway, that's my rant about the way that, like, trans is, like, fetishized by people. Like, by women with boyfriends are ultimately, like, they want to see themselves as victims parallel to the very real way that trans women are victimized in their heterosexual relationships. But... You're just not going to experience that, babe. Like, (laughs) sorry, but your invalidation is someone else's physical violence. Like, you... Yeah. So, anyways. In terms of
1: answering this email, the thing is, is that trans misogyny exists, as this email says, because it is, like, the intersection of transphobia and misogyny. Like, trans women are already going to face... violence of being a woman like women are hated (laughs) in under Mm -hmm. patriarchy and with misogyny, and then there is also transphobia and so sometimes like there is the hatred of trans women in this particular way however when talking about trans men there is no material hatred for men in the way that there is for like all women (laughs) so Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. trans or not you're going to face misogyny and being trans there's going to be a specific element to that there's going to be material conditions that are affected by being trans on top of just the struggles of being a woman under patriarchy however men at large the community of men don't have that systematic oppression so obviously trans men and trans people like people whose material conditions are affected by being trans are going to face transphobia. Being a man doesn't come, like, they, like right. just being a man doesn't have that. So then that doesn't, like, the um, rabbit hole of, like, trans men's rights activists, like, That is just in a response to people being aware of the specifics of struggles to trans women, because there are specific struggles of being a trans woman, because being a woman under patriarchy is not fucking easy. (laughs) Like, that's kind of the whole point. Mm -hmm. And then navigating being trans along with that experience is obviously going to be very difficult. Mm -hmm. In the way that gender works under patriarchy, by reinforcing the gender binary and these two genders, the difference between being a woman and the difference between being a man is very purposeful of the way that these systematic oppressions work and function, the way that society is built. So when you face violence for being seen as gender non-conforming in a particular way, if that is seen on the basis of being a woman, whether or not, regardless of who that is, then you're going to face the misogyny that comes with that so like there are i think people who are transphobic towards trans men because they still see them as women even though they're not they're men and then there are trans men who are seen and operate and function throughout the world as men but obviously have to navigate the transphobia in the world and so that is obviously going to have different effects. But then again, that comes down to your material conditions. What is being reflected by what navigates the way that you are physically moving about the world? The way that people perceive you and how that affects your safety? Like, I use they them pronouns. I identify as a lesbian first. I don't necessarily identify with womanhood in the way that womanhood operates. But I'm not going to be foolish and go around and say that I experience trans misogyny. That is not the case at all. I experience misogynoir. I experience sexism and misogyny basically every single day of my life. But I am not a trans woman in that way because I do not experience or face transphobia in my material conditions. There are other things that do, but I would never parallel my experience to people who are actually seen and perceived as trans women and then face violence because of that. Like you were saying and what you are critiquing is that there are people who want claim to experiences that they do not actually face. Like I do not come from a wealthy family at all, but my family, both my parents kept their job in the 2008 recession. A lot of people cannot say that. That is a financial privilege and a class privilege that I have and experienced. I can comment on the typical middle class family experience in California, but there are some class experiences that I do not have and have not experienced. And so I think there are a lot of other people in terms of class that also try and lay claim to very class-related experiences that they do not have. Um, Rich people who pretend to be less rich than they actually are. Mm -hmm. And that kind of phenomenon of, like, especially people who go to, like, Ivy League schools Mm -hmm. and do have a working-class background and then meet these people who are very rich and then not finding out that they are incredibly rich until... Like their spring bake post, or they mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. their family, or something like that, or a party that they're yeah, my to, dad, like, the
0: president of City Bank. Damn. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And you see them pretending to live like paycheck to paycheck, like I'm just a hand to mouth. Student. And then they go on spring break and they're on their family's yacht that's like <laughs> fucking huge. And then you're just like, <laughs> I thought. Right. But somehow. You were struggling in economics when your dad works on Wall Street.
0: Right, Funny right, how right. that happened. Lou is right. Men are not men are not oppressed for being men. Trans people are oppressed for being mm-hmm. trans. Like, come on now. Mm-hmm. So the fact, the idea that you need a term for that shit, uh, girl, like, come on. Like, let's let's be serious here. <laughs> <laughs> let's not let's not play around because that's bullshit and like if you think about it a little bit more i mean i think it's similar to the fight that the battle we were fighting in terms of being like lesbophobia is like a real material thing in a way that biphobia is not because ultimately you're just you're saying yeah. you're like you y'all are calling shit biphobic left right center when you will not even recognize lesbophobia when it's slapping you in the face it's also the other th- it's like people are so concerned with visibility rather than material conditions how how many cases how many headlines of trans women being murdered for like men pursuing them or in date in pursuing dating or having sex with men do we have to see for the realities of trans women and their struggle and their oppression to be recognized as legitimate like and also compare that to like think about how how much violence on a statistical level trans women face at the hands of men on a statistical level do trans men in their heterosexual pursuits face that level of violence from women from cis women like we live in a patriarchal society cis women are not are not socially enabled to commit acts of violence the way that cis men are, or men in general are socialized to be able to. Like that's part, that's actually something inherent to patriarchy, this idea that violence and ownership is something men are entitled to, which acts, which is seen in the way that they act out violence against women. So trans misogyny then manifests in most extreme cases, the actual murdering of trans women. So, but like on a systemic level, do trans men experience that are trans men murdered specifically for being men in trans because the people that they pursue like hate them so much for being attracted to them like i i don't think that is the case like i really i really feel like that is not the reality of the situation here so (laughs) i don't think this term it is it's just you know some online bullshit and people wanting to feel special and trying to create new words to describe experiences that are already holistically described in pre-existing words. For example, like that's why we rail against biphobia as a term because so much, so often is it used against lesbians and to demonize lesbians. When, when in any, in every situation where something that a bisexual is experiencing actual systemic oppression, you could just use the word homophobia or misogyny, and it would be still be appropriate and it would still like describe their situation it actually targets the oppressors which are cishets and not other people in your community like you don't it's just really uh i just again in more lgbtq bullshit discourse but those those are my final thoughts on on Lou's hot take submission Lou's
1: email says, I think the idea of men experiencing prejudice on the basis of them solely being men is absolutely not in touch of reality, regardless of transness. And that is essentially it. It's like trans men face transphobia because transphobia exists. But the idea that there is oppression for being a man on the basis of being a man that l- literally is not in touch with reality that is not (laughs) how
0: reality operates
1: like honestly most of like the history of trans men that I know is like in the relationship how like butchness and lesbians would adopt male personas or socially transition in a way because that would acquire them a higher level of safety and comfortability in moving around the world as being perceived as a man rather than being perceived as a gender non-conforming woman or being perceived as a non-conforming lesbian in the way that they would have been perceived during that particular time when there truly only was, or the idea of men and women. Like, there wasn't even this kind of, like, gender trinary that we're seeing <laughs> now socially, right? which I don't love. Right. But, we're not
0: live laugh loving for that shit I, anyways, yeah. but, you know. No, but,
1: like... In, in the time when there truly only was <laughs> conversations about either being a man and being a woman and being able to transition socially to be perceived as a man to have safety, um, just like moving around in public and having a like a femme or someone who is seen as a woman partner being being able to walk down the street and passerbys is being able to be like, oh, oh that's, that's a straight man couple. and a woman instead of a butch and a femme, or a stud and a femme, like, that, that, it, historically, that is the history of, like, trans people and trans men that I'm most familiar with. It, just that history is obviously going to affect their material conditions on top of transness rather than the idea or be, or facing oppression on, because you are a man. Like that—that's just something that doesn't exist. There are a lot of other ways in which transness and and these identities historically have affected the way people move about in the world, but being oppressed for being a man is not one of them.
0: Right. With even more trans discourse, sigh. Um, we have another submission mm-hmm. via I think DM somewhere. If you want to read that Renaissance. Yes.
1: This is an anonymous DM. That says hello again. I have another question for you and Sunny. I'm not sure if you guys talked about this before. Is it transphobic to prefer vaginas as a lesbian? <laughs> My non-binary lesbian friend says that they prefer people with vaginas. I'm lesbian too. My personal politic is if she has a dick, I'm a suck it. But apparently, not all lesbians are like me. <laughs> And I think that is quite funny. And I believe, even though this is anonymous, I believe this person uses they, them pronouns. So we will Mm -hmm. just refer to them as anonymous and Mm -hmm. with they, them pronouns.
0: It is transphobic to have general preferences, period. Like, that's just it. What? Like, girl, what? (laughs) How? I think it's just like,
1: what does this mean? Because if you're vibing with, if you think someone is hot, and you talk to them, and you flirt with them, and then in either before, after, during, whatever transness comes up, then the the only difference is that now you have acquired this piece of information, and then all of a sudden you don't like them, then that is transphobic. Like, there's just no other way around it. Like, no one is forcing you to... to be attracted to people that you aren't attracted to. like I hate a lot of people in this world. I do not like a lot of the people that I see on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> At no point does their genitalia factor into me <laughs> vibe-checking these people, you know? Like, right. I have haterism in my heart, and if you don't pass, you don't pass. That's just it. Yeah. Like, I'm not thinking of like, who I wonder was it like, no. And if I think someone's hot, like, if I think someone's sexy and attractive and doing their thing, I also am. uh, Their genitalia is the last thing that I'm thinking about. Probably the first thing is where do they get that outfit and do they listen to Taylor Swift? Like, if I'm being (laughs) honest, that is a lot higher up (laughs) on
0: on the priority list.
1: (laughs) Yeah, on my priority list than someone else. Now, personally, I hate the idea of pregnancy like before I knew it was gay before I knew it was a lesbian I was like I don't even think I want to have sex with men because the idea of that even being a possibility is just not for me but there are so many other ways to go about that like that's not necessarily a genital preference it's just like Mm -hmm. I just would not make a good pregnant person but I would be insufferable (laughs) But yeah. <laughs> who even knows if that's in the cards for me genetically anyway. So why would I right. put that onto someone else? Like, that, is, that would truly be a me thing. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. don't, I don't get this at all. Mm-hmm. I don't feel this way. I probably have a similar politic to the anonymous. If she a <laughs> I'm a suck it type of, <laughs> type of thing. Right. But, like, if I'm vibing with someone, I'm not going to be like, wait, before I decide if I think you're attractive enough. Right, what the situation is like to me—that's weird and also transphobic.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, and like that's the actual, quote unquote, turfy bullshit that is present. Like that's what actual transmisogyny looks like when mm-hmm. you fundamentally don't view someone as in a category of people you are attracted to because of their trans identity, because they are trans feminine. Like. That shit is what transphobia and transmisogyny actually is. A lot of people who subliminally think this or who have, like, repulsion to even the idea of, like, penis or whatever, like, okay, no one is forcing you to date anyone you don't want to date at the end of the day. Like, you're, like, you don't, ha- you don't have to have sex with people who don't want to have sex with you. And to be honest, why would someone want to have sex with you if they know that you don't like something that's part of their actual anatomy. Like, what? Like, this is just so fucking bizarre to me. Exactly. Something inherent to turf rhetoric is this idea that, like, men are transitioning so they can, like, rape women. It's like, girl, men don't have to do anything to rape women. Like, we live in a patriarchal society. Like, men are going to rape women regardless. Like, your -hmm. your cis female bathroom is not going to prevent men from harassing you in... The toilets or elsewhere. Come on now. Like let's let's be real. Let's be serious here. <laughs> like exactly. what people really just think of trans women as like monsters at the end of the day, and that is the issue. Like you think of you think of lesbians as predatory for being lesbians, but then you view women who don't fit your definition of women as inherently predatory. Like you, and, and or you view certain women with disgust whether they be gender non-conforming in that they're butch or masculine or in that they are trans feminine. Like a lot of y'all just hate women, especially when they don't conform to your idea of what womanhood is. And this is why we were even talking about like how a lot of Cis women and a lot of women, period, are really misogynistic and hate women a lot. Like, a lot of these cishet women hate when women do not conform to their ideas of gender. Like, they hate when women are not feminine enough. They hate when women don't have the genitalia that they think women should have. They hate when women, like, a lot of y'all just hate women. That's a problem that is a product of this transphobic and misogynistic world that we live in. And the fact that you don't want to unpack that in your own sexual attraction just means that, like, you kind of suck. You're a shitty person, so.
1: No one is saying that you can't like vaginas. Like, it's not a rule. No one is being, like, no one is allowed to like any particular sexual act. Like that's just not the thing that, that this no one is trying to say that no there's no campaign for lesbians who don't like vaginas like that is just not <laughs> something like no one is like if you're a lesbian no one's going to be like wait but you don't like vaginas though do you like that's just not gonna <laughs> like no one is gonna stop and ask you that so this idea that you have to be proud in your declaration of being a lesbian and liking vaginas it's just, like, to think that it is, like, subversive to be transmisogynistic as as a, a possibly non-trans person or someone who's not affected by trans misogyny, like, that is just not the case. That is not the reality. And it's actually quite weird and strange to me, personally, <laughs> to have so much emphasis in that, to have so much, like, I only like vaginas, but rest easy though. Like that attitude is like, it's just to me weird. Why are you doing that? Kind of what we're talking about is like your politics and your attraction are going to be inherently linked. Like there's no way for this to be an attitude of someone and for them to not also have unsavory politics and opinions about people who are affected by trans misogyny, you know, cause people who, aren't trans misogynistic in this like in a very explicit way just wouldn't have that particular opinion or ideas or sentiments about it yeah
0: so now it's time to move on to our shared media which is our finally (laughs) yes um and okay so one of our patrons macy Commented on one of our exclusive Patreon, our Patreon exclusive videos, which was actually Renaissance unboxing the birthday presents I sent them. And we also, like, spent part of that episode talking about our future plans and other ideas and stuff, including the idea for this episode, the Easter egg finale situation. And so Macy commented under that video, giving us some suggestions for like Easter eggs to discuss. So I'm just gonna read Macy's message. You could talk about how the buzz cut and dress, buzz cut and your hair bleach, it's the bridge of dress. Talk about how the buzz cut and dress could mean Carly's dress that was cut off last minute because she spilled wine. I've also heard comments saying that that was the style of the dress Carly was wearing, like the style of being named the buzz cut, I think. But I didn't find anything confirming that. You could also talk about how the night at the hotel in the very first night from Red TV, from the vault could have been the night Taylor and Diana celebrated Shirley McLean's birthday at a hotel in 2012. Also, you could talk about how James and Betty equals Taylor Swift because she was named after James Taylor. I literally just finished an eight-page critical/slash rhetorical analysis on why Taylor Swift's songs are queer literature and I don't know to so and use these three. I got an a. idk if you mentioned these before, but they definitely could be Easter eggs. Thank you so much, Macy, for this comment. <laughs> And congratulations on your A on the paper. Exactly, exactly. Um, but do you want to go through the timeline breakdown that you've compiled of the various, like, gay, gayler eggs? The, the gay, the yeah. gigglers? The, the, Easter, <laughs> the Easter gags?
1: Three, four, five, six. Okay, so we have six here. Yeah. So... The first one is the hotel night, which was uh, with a- which was in April, April of 2012, where Taylor and Diana, and I think a couple of other friends celebrated Shirley McLean's birthday. And there we have some uh, references that would later become the very first night. We also have some like the flowers and the hair visuals that would then be repeated. And uh, just other iconic Instagram posts, other photos that would later be hinted at in her discography. Then in July of 2012, uh, Diana and Taylor went to, I I think it's Hyannis is how it's pronounced. Hyannis Hyannis Port. Hyannis Port in Massachusetts where like Taylor was frequenting at the time with her, I would say PR boyfriend, one of the Kennedy kids or whatever, a uh, uh, Kennedy. And I forget his name. I literally there I don't know so many of Taylor's boyfriends that I guess she's had. Like I know like the big ones, but whatever. Right.
0: They're there. They don't matter.
1: They literally don't. Like to me that's Diana era. One time I saw a TikTok recently that referred to Harry Styles and her relationship with Harry as the inspiration for 1989, and it literally gave me whiplash because I only (laughs) ever think of 1989 as Diana. Diana. Right, right, right. Then in 2015, we have the iconic Carly and Taylor trip to Big Sur where we get the Daisy Daisy nickname. And we also get the iconic picture of Carly spelling Taylor's name in the sand and forgetting the O and spelling her name wrong, which then is referenced in Don't Blame Me, in Reputation of uh, My Name is Whatever You Decide, of course, because of the misspelling. Then we have the 2016 Met Gala, where we get Bleachella-era Taylor with her dress at the Met Gala. But as Macy referenced, we get the buzz cut, which was the nickname given to Carly's dress when she spilled red wine on her dress and it had to be cut at the last minute. But this is argued, I mean, by Gailers and correct people as one of Taylor's bait-and-switches, which she references in Willow. Every work of art is a bait-and-switch, because at this Met Gala, which is argued what where, where Taylor, Taylor Swift and Joe, Joe Alwyn yeah, I mean. met, Joe had a buzz cut at that time. Mm -hmm. So very convenient that Carly's dress was a buzz cut (laughs) and Joe had a buzz cut when all three of them are at the same event. Then in 2018, we have the dress that she wore at the AMA Awards, the American Music Awards. awards (laughs) uh where she was wearing a reflective dress and little mirror balls in her high heels which of course would be a very iconic outfit of hers
0: that would
1: take exactly that take on a new life in mirror ball right and uh you know the iconic red carpet do anything to keep you looking at me all that stuff right and then we have the Pièce de Résistance in 2019 with me out now on Lesbian Visibility Day. <laughs> me out now. <laughs> Which is quoted by us frequently, quoted on the archers when we dropped our collab episodes. Quoted and Matt retweeted collab out now. <laughs> uh. Those are our, our major Easter eggs that we have to celebrate with you on our one-year anniversary and also Easter Sunday. Right. I also Who think... has risen? Gailer's anniversary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I think, like, another thing in the Lover music video, which, of course, is me era, right, like, me out now, mm-hmm. and then Lover, the single, in the music video of it, there's the card game, or no, there's the board game, Where Mm -hmm. her fingernail is missing, like like the there it's like all long nails and then like the middle one Uh like isn't there (laughs) on the game. Remember that. Um, there was also like, of course, all of the bisexual flagging and colors and the gay dresses Mm -hmm. and the pride flag dresses on her reputation and of course lover tour and you can even and she had a lesbian flag dress like in uh, amongst
1: the pride various gay dresses and the lesbian color lighting yeah the
0: bisexual lighting the lesbian
1: lighting i think on one of the episodes of the archers they talked about how dress was dedicated to one of the one of the dancers and all the posts call her bisexual but i think on an episode of the archers they said like actually she was a lesbian so it was an actual lesbian dedication mm. for dress during the mm. reputation tour
0: mm. yeah like it's just so, so a lot, and then a lot there. the fucking video of taylor performing dress to carly and carly's taking the video of she's like at oh, the very like, front like people died like people literally died i fear
1: it's like so oh also okay this isn't on the list but motion picture put me in a bad light writing that after Cats. Like, yeah, babe. Motion <laughs> picture did put you in a bad light. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, that was a rough time for you. Like, you were going through cancellation, and then Cats came out. Like, rough. Right. But the thing about Cats, and, like, if you go on Letterboxd, like, it's rating. It's, like, it has, like, a 1.8 star mm-hmm, rating. or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's bad. Right. But the cast is so stacked, though. Like, right. it's not like Taylor Swift, why were you in Cats? Like, so many famous... Jennifer Hudson was in Cats. Uh-huh. Like, J-Hud why did such a bad movie (laughs) have such a stacked cast? Like, why did so many man, individual managers and agents and casting company, like, casting people was, like... Anyways. But, I mean, she did get the brunt of a lot of, like, cats backlash, though.
0: With the Hyannis thing, she, in the red... Oh, yeah, yeah. In the red, like, album, she, you know, would capitalize different, like, letters. Well, she's
1: always done that. I think she did that in in debut as well was when yeah. she started capitalizing Because that's like the beginning of the Easter Egg for real, Right. Yeah. Like she has a way of she, communicating with She's her always fans. done that. And also like the song order is like something that started pretty early in her career of like this track number is going to typically be about like this subject or, you know, the number thirteen and, and stuff like that. And like the fifth track and you know, like everyone looks out for the order of the songs, that started very early. So then with Hyannis Port, the reason that became an Easter egg is because in the song Everything Has Changed, in the lyric booklet, there were certain letters that were capitalized. And in that capitalization that spelled out Hyannis, she put in an extra I so that it was H-Y-I-A-N-N-A or H I A N N A I N N, yeah. So like similar to, to Diana's the spelling, way Diana's spelling. Whereas the original name of the place does not have an I after the it's y. A y. Yeah. And I looked at like the lyrics and the way that it was typed because the I that's capitalized is also the pronoun I, but mm. all the other pronoun I's are lowercase. So it mm. is capitalized on purpose to be a part of the misspelling to marry diana's name because there are other eyes that are not capitalized so in case in case anyone wants to tussle it wasn't like (laughs) oh that's grammar all the eyes are capitalized like no it is for diana's name for shirley MacLaine's birthday shirley MacLaine was in the movie the children's hour which i have recommended on the pod before and that is an iconic lesbian film where these two besties are, like, one of them is very gay for the other, and the other one is in a relationship with a man. Like, I think they they just became fiancés or whatever. And it's a very iconic lesbian noir film. So the fact that they were celebrating an actress who was in a lesbian movie, I think is also... And, and that whole thing of, of the arts. queerness of... Exactly, the queerness of female friendship, because that movie is yeah. definitely giving very that. Yeah. And Shirley MacLaine was not... Pre- like, I think they just got together and celebrated Shirley MacLaine's birthday. Like, what straight woman is just celebrating right. Shirley MacLaine's birthday? Right. So, that I, I wanted to add that little piece of information.
0: Yes. No, that's the funny. the hotel. I mean, I think, like, the fact that Lover, the album, opened with... I Forgot That You Existed, right? Hold on, let me... It's probably my recently yeah. listened to... Yeah, so it goes, I Forgot That You Existed... Cruel Summer, which is a gay-ass song, Lover, The Man, another gay-ass song, and then The Archer, another gay-ass song, right? Yes. And, like, Cruel Summer, it has, you know, sort of neutral pronouns throughout until he he looks up grinning like the devil. Um, Mm -hmm. He looks so pretty like the devil, either way. But everything else, it's like very gender neutral and it's very much about secret relationships. And I think like the verse after the chorus, that's like, hang your head low in the glow of the vending machine. I'm not dying. Like that line does not make any fucking sense. Right. Like that line does not make Mm -hmm. sense. But then you see a photograph of Carly kneeling by the vending machine, like the light in her face. And she's like looking up at the viewer. And I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, now things are starting to make sense. <laughs> like yeah. especially because the lyrics start with "fever dream high in the quiet of the night," you know that I caught it. Bad bad boy, shiny toy with the price. You know that I bought it. So this sort of like again, she does she does this thing where she parallels commodity and like men, like all the time. In mm-hmm. cowboy like me, and I, in our episode eleven, we we were talking about this, but but like why would a would a boy be bad and a shiny toy with a price like she like this the 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 boy in question here is not really giving like sleigh you know what i mean like and then of course Mm -hmm. devils roll the dice angels with their eyes like oh my god the i think that is the hold on wait let me look up lover music video devils roll the dice let's see images in the lover music video there the the board game that says devils roll the dice angels roll their eyes it has a woman's hand with six dice rolling out of her hand and then the pointer finger doesn't have a nail on it like doesn't like we see the bottom we see the pad of the finger but not the long nail mm-hmm. Despite all the other fingernails despite all the other fingers having long nails. And like, I have long nails on right now too. And like, if I do the same movement that this, the hand is doing, like you would see the tip of that long nail come out on the other end, but it doesn't here. And also like on the board game itself, it says the only game that questions your answers. Um, (laughs) the only game that questions your answers. And then devils is in red and the angels is in blue. So devils roll the dice, angels roll their eyes. Like, Bro, like, it's just so crazy how, how, it's just so crazy how that works. But then it's like the chorus that goes, and it's new, the shape of your body. What, why would the shape of your body be new? It's new, like, it's almost like the shape of the body is, like, giving, it's, like, different. Okay, it's blue, the feeling I've got, and it's a cruel summer. No rules in breakable heaven. Like, breakable heaven, like, it can close at any time. And then also, like... You say that we'll screw it up in these trying times. We're not trying. Summer's a knife. I'm always waiting for you just to cut to the bone. I don't want to keep secrets just to keep you and I snuck in through the garden gate. Okay, <gasps> I don't want to oh, keep wait, secrets wait, just wait. to keep you yes. and Hold the on. garden gate. Yeah, yeah. The- the papped photos of like her red cheeks yeah. outside of outside the yeah. garden and the gate. Oh my god. And, uh, I someone, sunk into the garden um, gate every night that summer just to seal my fate. Why would you, who is she out with every night during the summer? Who? Just to seal my fate and I scream for whatever it's worth. I love you. Ain't that the worst thing you ever heard? Bro! Oh, like, it genius! Hurts. It, hurts. it hurts! It hurts. I can play the song on the piano and it's like my favorite thing to do, to be honest.
1: What's the song where um you tell your friends you're going out for a run? Illicit affairs. Yes. That one is also a song that's in reference to the similar PAP photos of I think like Taylor had red lipstick on and then Carly's cheeks were Yeah. Yep, it was given. Right. I mean, I'm not and trying to get Trey Payne the- to fucking on her ass right now. All so all alleg- on of- Allegedly, Carly Claus had red lipstick stains on her cheeks, and then moments later, Taylor Swift with red lipstick exited out of the same party <laughs> <body laughs> gates. I'm not saying that those two things are related. Trey Payne. The paparazzi. Uh, the- Taylor right. Swift, LLC, Corporation. Right. We're not... Th- that's just the photographic evidence that we have we're not making any conclusions necessarily yeah. in
0: the eyes Even of the illicit law affairs like the opening mm-hmm. verses where it goes like take the road less traveled by like the road less traveled guys the road less traveled like the road that you don't that you're not supposed to take the one that like uh tell yourself you can always Stop. So the Robert Frost poem about taking the road that's traveled by. The basically, what the poem we've all read it, right? But what the poem is actually mm-hmm. saying is that, like, either road that you take, you're not gonna be able to look back and experience that shit again. So what, like, illicit affairs is is saying is that you're taking that, and it's a risk you're gonna take, and it's you know, tell yourself you can always stop, like, ooh, girl. But then she ends that verse with what started in beautiful rooms ends with meetings in parking lots what started in beautiful rooms like what two rich beautiful people in beautiful rooms and now it hurts like it it causes me physical
1: pain when i think about this like Like, maybe i understand anti galers because this music would not make me as emotional and hurt as much (laughs) if i didn't think that it was real you know like maybe it's denial
0: and in parking lots right meet me behind the mall i pulled up and said get in the car like it's giving like betty august vibes you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. uh, but they lie and they lie a million little times bro
1: okay not to have a a carly themed or a a kaylor themed episode but with the daisy and the misspelling of the name both of those things are from their iconic Big Sur trip, and for right. their Big Sur trip, that is where the headline "One for the money, two for the show," which would mm-hmm. then later be referenced in another Taylor so, "One for the money, two for the show." No, was ready, so I watched. You. Is that Champagne Problems? So I watch mm-hmm. you go sometimes. Mm-hmm. You-. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. which is also very Taylor themed, but. Right. Also, in that photo shoot while they were at Big Sur for Vogue, is the iconic photo of them both in white dresses
0: walking. Right? right. <laughs> yes. They put these just in yes. wedding dresses and said, walk, walk out, hold hands, kiss lay on the bed together <laughs> them they had a vision in the they had a vision i fear <laughs>
1: in the tiny home with the with the one bed in the background and them barefoot in the kitchen and uh, that in that vacation trailer girl yeah who's scared who's Who's terrified (laughs) like a lot of people are and people are like wow taylor swift writes a lot about divorcees for someone who wasn't married that bitch was like very a (laughs) lot but still like right they like you can't write right where you left me unless you have had someone leave you in that way like right it's because if you could if you could write Champagne Problems, like, if any pop girly could write Champagne Problems, Everything Has Changed, Out of the Woods, Style, uh, Wonderland, I Know Places, like, New Romantics, like, New Romantics, Lover, Cruel Summer, like, if if any pop girly could, then we would have hundreds of those in the way that we have hundreds of the same pop songs. I'm not complaining about that. I'm not an anti-pop person. I love my pop girlies to the end of time. But there are some experiences that are going to be gay because they're gay. And having gone through those, she's able to pull on those experiences to write the songs that she does. And then she confirms those with her Easter eggs by saying like, in case y'all thought this was fictional, in case y'all thought I was writing about two random people, here's a pap photo, here's an Instagram post, here's a Mm time-stamped dated moment that somehow coincidentally parallels the things that i'm referencing in my music like and and that's why you can have people who are invested in gayler because they love taylor swift and they are gay and they want to see taylor swift also be gay and they love her music side of it and then there are people who like gayler and taylor swift possibly being queer fascinates them because there are, mo- like, we, uh, the things that we know about this woman's life, the places that she spent there's proof at one time, with who, there's just too much to, to ignore it. Like, in the same way that, you just, like, who is going to say Emily Dickinson wasn't gay? Like, to me, if you can recognize that there is both literary reasons as to why, like, Emily Dickinson was gay, and there are histor- the things that we know about her life, also inform us that she was a lesbian and gay and then to not use those same skills uh, currently omomo like ameno that to me right. wild but i mean my favorite is me out like the way that she said me out now on lesbian visibility day and, and bitches are
0: like why why would you say that she's gay why but would imagine you say if that? King
1: princess said that Imagine if Haley Kiyoko said that. Imagine mm-hmm. if Claro, mm-hmm. Girl in Red, any of these bitches said that. Everyone would we'll be like, oh my gosh, so gay, oh my gosh, so sapphic, oh my gosh, da 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 da, so obvious, so clear, whatever. But then Taylor Swift does it, and it's crickets. Taylor Swift does it, and we have Hettlers in our comment section trying to fight us, trying to tussle. When she mm-hmm. said, Gay Pride Makes Me Me, with her full chest, in her own documentary, with her, name on it, named Dr. Dare her own song. Like. Right why
0: they uh, see uh, right uh, through uh, me uh, do you see right through me they uh, see right through me like 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 you all we these spoke rumors a secret- are
1: terrible and cruel
0: well, honey, most but of them most are of true. them are true. Like we spoke a secret language. I can't speak with anyone else. That's kind of also mm-hmm. how she communicates with us. In that, like these East, this whole Easter Egg concept and situation. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of bitches who who are not tapped into the Taylor Swift cinematic universe are like these bitches are crazy. But that's because you don't speak the language. You are not tapped into our relationship <laughs> that she's developed. The world was black and white, but we were
1: in screaming, screaming color. color? Bro the world is full of straight people, but we're gay as hell. Like it's like like some of y'all i do you not know what a metaphor is? Do you not know what like apostrophes are? Like do you not know what referencing like thing about lyric like lyricism, writing lyrics, it's poetry. It takes mm-hmm. it is a piece of literature and to not pay that respect. I bet the bitches who complain about us reading into, or not even reading into the lyrics, simply reading the lyrics, like the skill of reading the lyrics. Yeah. The same people who hate when, like, their English teacher is trying to teach them lessons. They're like, "What if the doors just blew because it was blue?" a Head ass type, like, anti. Right. <laughs> and anti. Again, no. the
0: people who are anti-critical thinking and anti-theory. Yeah. Same bitches. Same bitches. Like, <laughs> it is not bad to actively read things.
1: It is not bad to actively think about things. And when something is a pattern, as frequently as the queer details and the sapphic and lesbian details of Taylor Swift lyrics, when it happens that frequently, it cannot be a coincidence. It cannot be a mistake. If we only had the whole world was black and white, but we're in screaming color. If we only had new romantics, if we only had seven, right? And all of, there's no other instance, no other paparazzi, no other photos, no other songs. Okay, sure, whatever, maybe we just have the one song. It's almost every single song in almost every single one of her albums that has affected many, many people within the queer community and has related to several experiences of lesbians and sapphics. Y'all, and she's out. She's literally out now. She's been mm-hmm. out now. Like, we're not mm-hmm. outing, this is not Outing her, this isn't saying something that she hasn't said. She's she tells us about her life in every single album that she writes. So, is it that she's not right. out, or is it that you just don't respect her queerness? Mm-hmm. Exactly, mm-hmm. Your Honor. Arrest my case, Your Honor. She
0: slays, I slay our secret moments it. in a crowded room. They got no idea, <gasps> they have no idea. I love and you. <laughs> Who screamed? Me, me just now. Like, mm-hmm. hello, mm-hmm. hello. Like, when I first heard "Dress," I thought this shit you is should. You should think about the consequence <laughs>
1: of you taking my hand in a darkened um, room. Like, state of the union addresses versus Taylor Swift's discography. Like, what has a bigger impact on society? Like,
0: I, I loved you in secret first sight yeah we love without reason deep blue but you painted me golden also the golden tattoo okay girl like (gasps) hello picture of your face in an invisible locket people started talking putting us through our paces i knew there was no one in the world who could take it i had a bad feeling but we were dancing dancing with our hands tied like i loved you in spite of deep fears that the world would divide us like guys what could a hetero relationship with a british twink have to do with this shit bro like what mm-hmm. do you mean the world would divide us how why would the world divide you like
1: girl if like, anything hello? people are fighting too hard for taylor and joe people are, right. are supporting them too much i fear
0: i'd hold you as the water rushes in and then in cardigan music video where she's in the fucking water like <laughs> Like who's yeah. screaming? Uh you could have been the one. I thought I saw you at the bus stop. I didn't though. The bus stop being a cafe a couple blocks away from her street, from her apartment, Cornelia Street. Oh. I never walked Cornelia Street again. That girl is that girl left that apartment and I sold it to someone else. Like, what do you like New York was they Carly had her own room in her apartment in on Cornelia Street. Like probably lived we a couple that blocks that away on Cornelia Street. And then she dropped
1: Cornelia Street. Like, hello? I completely forgot about this as well. Again, referencing... Okay, guys, re-look at the Big Sur articles. like, Like, that, so much is there. She still hasn't gotten over. We know that she hasn't because the Willow cabin looks a lot like the cabin that they also stayed at when they went to Big Sur. But the one is the... And then the number one versus, like, the other songs that she has with numbers in it that is spelled out, such as seven. The one is the name of the highway. Like, you take the one yeah. to get to Big Sur. That's Sir. the highway in California. And if you're from California, like, other people call their highways, like, interstate number or just say the number of the highway. But, but everyone just you says watch the one yeah all the highways are the number and if you watch like the Californians like the sketch by SNL you'll notice that they make fun of this trait of Californians and my mom who is not from California when she moved to California was very confused as to why people said the one the 10 the whatever I'm from California should know more about highways but anyways using that instead of being the and then o-n-e very very purposeful guys very very purposeful yeah. even and though I've arguments that the one is about Diana I think it could possibly be about both of them because mm-hmm. we both know that Taylor Swift has not recovered from either of those <laughs> but yeah. whereas men another, are disposable
0: little, as reputation also shows us l-
1: but I literally forgot that you existed like I, I, I thought that re- it took me and it yeah. didn't like yeah. but I haven't left the restaurant where you told me that you left me <laughs> So see how we have two different reactions to two different breakups here. One is, I literally forgot that you existed. The other one, I'm physically frozen in time from how bad I wish you did not leave me.
0: I'm waiting. Like you said that you left. I could feel the mascara run. Like mascara in the bathroom in New Romantics. Hello. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also to revisit Cornelia Street. Have you heard about the girl who lives in delusion? (laughs) Breakups happen every day. You don't have to lose it. (laughs) <laughs> like, you don't have to wow. lose it. Contrasting to her being like, I forgot that you existed, girl. Like, come on. Okay, anyway, back to Cornelia Street. I think it is mm-hmm. so important to look at her use of pronouns. There is, the only pronouns used in Cornelia Street, us, I, you, no he. Like, mm-hmm. okay, girl, like, it's just you. And then it's like, okay, we bless the rains on Cornelia Street. Memorize the creeks in the floor. Like, who else was she living with in on cornelia street she carly had a room in that apartment like i thought you were leading me on i packed my bags left cornelia street before you even knew i was gone but then you called showed your hand um and then and then it's like i hope i never lose you i hope it never ends i never walk cornelia street again has you been seen on cornelia street since like 2018 I don't I don't think so I don't think so and also like
1: I get mystified
0: one thing it's stick by her word
1: right (laughs) and baby she has it out
0: I get mystified by how the city screams your name this city Cornelia Street in New York City like New York City is Carly's like city like what are you talking about like New York City does not have an attachment to Joe or any of her other boyfriends to be quite honest like and baby Mm -hmm. I'm so terrified of of if you ever walk away, I'd never walk Cornelia Street again. You hold my hand on the street. Has she been photographed holding hand on the street with someone? With with some people. Uh, walk me back to that apartment. Years ago, we were just inside, right? Like barefoot in the kitchen. Barefoot in the barefoot kitchen. Barefoot in again. the kitchen. <laughs> Revisiting the photo shoot. Like mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. on now, right? Like. <sighs>
1: and this is the other thing as to why i think that it is preposterous to argue against Taylor's, is because taylor swift references gay things that have been like co-signed like they're the paps photos right the photos that even though she is the queen of pr we know that if she wants to hide she can't hide we literally didn't physically see her for a year so the fact that you think that there's at least after that there's any accidental pap photos is wild like absolutely not she knows when photos are being taken from of her and probably before then like if she had that power during her literal year of hiding she like she had it before and after anyways so not only does she reference like garden gate photos right Or even like the closing of the gates in reference to when Jack Antonoff almost outed her on literally the world's most famous podcast with Mark Marin. She also references things like the Miss Americana documentary where she knows people are going to watch it and she says, Gay Pride makes me me. Like the Vogue photo shoot in Big Sur and the trips with Carly that were like. And it dropped on Valentine's Day. Girl. Yeah, and dropped Valentine's Day. Like things that are like not just oh this photo happened to be taken on this day like her own instagram post her own her own photos like
0: that the is bisexual the bracelet
1: come on now the bisexual bracelet the cookies or the rice krispies the wig like all that the things that she wears on tours the lighting on her tours like this bitch thinks about her content all the time like it it literally right. keeps her up at night it's she wakes up thinking of this shit. so the idea that like, oh, some references are just accidental.
0: No, no, right. babe, it's and not. And also, even in the folklore love triangle, all three mm-hmm. of those characters are those. Those characters are named after her friends' kids, who are both girls, real people. Like the girl is named James, and also Taylor is named after James. Like, come on now. And think on, everyone. Betty,
1: Inez, and James are the three daughters. Mm-hmm. Are the three mm-hmm. names?
0: Yes, exactly. And so I think that with the basket of Easter eggs we give to you of of Gaylord mm-hmm. evidence, there's just, we, Happy it's Easter. undeniable. <laughs> Happy Easter and, to all those who celebrate the Christ has risen. Taylor Swift is out. Mm-hmm. Me out now. Um, anyway. <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ on Easter. Me out now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh god yeah.
1: but so anyway. sorry to
0: any of the catholics that listen to right podcast. right right any devout christians on here you can cancel mm-hmm. us feel free um so, sorry. <laughs> so do you want to get into the recommendations portion of the podcast i think we should just talk about you know our one year anniversary type shit like you know again the tops the bottoms Like, (laughs) what highs and lows, you know, and and some previous recommendations that we still stand by.
1: Well, I'm just so happy that you watched Fleabag and liked it because I wanted you to watch Fleabag before we started The Lavender Menace. And then that was what I really wanted you to watch at the time of our first episode, which is why it was my genuine first recommendation was Fleabag. And we have... Watched it and done a whole episode on it
0: for the podcast. It's true. It's true. I feel like the fact that I'm such a Sally Rooney head and you're (gasps) now diving into the Rooneyverse.
1: Oh, I I love... We need Jill Gutowitz on, and we need Sally Rooney on.
0: Like, when it's getting we bad. Get, we need like, these millennial white women to be on our podcast so bad because they write books. <laughs> like, I fear, like, that's so just the bad. situation. Like, yeah, I did really enjoy Fleabag, so that is very Slay. We also
1: have our fortune favors the Dead episode, mm-hmm. and... Did you finish the other book, the second book? Yes.
0: Oh, my God. Also, I recommended to you in in an episode on May of 2021, Conversations with Friends, which you recently read and really enjoyed.
1: <gasps> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, I had recommended you. That book, high-key, life-changing. like Right. It was right. so good. That's right. You did recommend that
0: to me. And now what a good s- recommendation that was. Right. And you also, I recommended Assassination Nation, and we ended up doing an episode on that. And you recommended Professor yes. Martian and the Wonder Woman, and we ended up doing an episode on that. Uh, you had recommended yes. Stella Blankovist, and we also watched Stella Blankovist season one and two after season two came out. And, um... Yeah. So, yeah, although- I need to read more of the books that you've recommended. <laughs> I'm realizing I see
1: them, and they're on my to-be-read list. Uh-huh. But I'm now realizing, because I really want to read Lent, yes. uh, which is one of the ones that you've recommended. Such a fun age. I, I've seen such a fun age in the store, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Sunny recommended that to me. And exactly,
0: like, but exactly.
1: D- do you read if you don't have a bookshelf full of books that are to be read just perpetually? Exactly, exactly. So.
0: You're not a reader unless you have a bunch of books you haven't read in your room. It's true. It's, it's just <laughs> exactly. the truth. The one-year anniversary defining pieces of media. The article, I love last so long, on overland.au. Yeah. A, a fu- fucking thesis, fundamental text of the pod of course and that ties like what state and revolution
1: together. is to like our <laughs> communism uh huh like our love lasts a long episode is to the lavender menace like exactly ideology exactly. like no it's literally
0: necessary I'm a marxist lavender menace nist Lav- uh, marxist leninist <laughs> lavender
1: meninist yeah until we get like a stalinist like oh you're you're an authoritarian stalinist we, we need people to be called like lavender menacists. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Uh I mean, obviously low points of the past year of being on this podcast is getting cancelled again and again and again over bullshit that has been. So really many matter. times. Highlights definitely the Sunnaissance and St. Louis era of mid season mm-hmm. two. That was such a slay. And Inshallah, it's recreated this somewhere we have the plans. Having Ellie Eaton on. Yes, that was episode. so slay. That was so slay. If you want to fund the Renaissance sort of trip situation our efforts please join our patreon if you so choose please yeah we love our patrons so much thank you so much to our patrons and you know you'll get two bonus episodes a month oh my god okay another episode to look forward to is our 420 episode Mm -hmm. We will be getting high and doing a bonus episode, and that will be Patreon exclusive, so if you want to tap into that, please do. Another top and high of the season is, or of this Mm -hmm. last year, is definitely... I think, like, as much as TikTok gives us hell, it's also, like, fun to engage with people, you know, who have similar interests as you, as what social media is designed to do. Like, even on Instagram, engaging with y'all and having y'all answer our stupid little prompts on the stories and liking our (laughs) posts and, you know, oh, the fan cam that I made Renaissance for their birthday. (laughs) That's so cute. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I loved it and um yeah like it's just and on twitter like your unhinged tweets in our direction like love that shit it's so fun <laughs> to interact with y'all everyone cheered
1: yeah everyone's i think also uh, everyone did cheer and scream i think like meeting the archers because of the podcast and yeah. us accidentally influencing each other right, and right, making right. a podcast and right. talking about the things that we do like i wouldn't probably be friends with madison and mm-hmm. katie if we didn't have the podcast and they Mm -hmm. didn't have theirs. Like, I followed Madison from the early days of, like, I would just be a follower of Mm -hmm. Madison. Like, I would not. (laughs) But I, like, DM them and talk to them and follow them on, like, mutuals and actually have that, like, community. And same, I think, with, like, a lot of the TikTok mutuals that have then turned into Twitter mutuals or... Uh
0: Our communists, oh, our people gaylers, like, our, yeah. uh, the people we collect,
1: basically, and, and love like, went via the podcast. through hell, but heaven was you or whatever. You're right! Like, <laughs> our, gayler. our gayler mutuals. Like, if we yeah. must engage on TikTok, exactly. we should at least have a, some very slateful oh, yeah. mutuals. And and generally, like, I guess to say something that we didn't say in our end of the year wrap-up, it's just like, this has just been very fun. Like, exactly. to have a creative project and also to do it with, like, a best friend, exactly. a, a genuine bestie, like, exactly, we are, to you, we, we are, are co-hosts, but, like, to us, <laughs> best
0: we're literally besties, <laughs> like, like, come on now, come
1: on. Yeah. And you've, like, seen the growth, like, of right. the past year of our right. friendship, also on the podcast. Exactly. So.
0: We love being your parasocial, Gen Z, lesbian parents, like, it's very <laughs> slay for us, Be- particularly because we're exactly recreating our millennial, like, Podcast co-hosts yeah. from parents, like we, it's like a yeah. cycle. Life imitates art, etc. Like <laughs> <laughs> I know, I
1: can't wait in for like six, seven, ten years to see another pair of friends are like, oh, remember when we were both in middle school listening to the Lavender Man <laughs> podcast, and then like just the cycle, like. Of JB, like who who's gonna be the third generation? Like JB right, 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 to the lavender. Right. Menace our sons,
0: like, our ne- sons. Where who's next? Yeah, like
1: uh, exactly. Shout out amazing. to our future sons. You may not know who you are yet, but <laughs> shout
0: out to you. Right, but yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and thank you for joining us. You know, for the lavender menace. It's it's so much fun, and we love you. Yeah, we appreciate you a lot. L-E-A-F. Okay, bye,
1: bye.